Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 315, Late Winter Turkey Hunting with Rob Keck, and I am your co-host and the guy who has a new pet. And I am your co-host and the guy who's about to kill one of his pets. (laughs) Is that Mac you're you're wanting to kill? As of last night, yes. He went from becoming, being my best friend to I'm ready to skin him out right now. Mm. He kept me up all night because... We're trying to put him in a kennel at night now rather than have my wife's golden retriever sleep between us each night, who is mm-hmm. not the brightest of dogs anyway. And Mac gets subjected to the kennel because it's only fair, even though he doesn't do anything. He just lays on the floor. But it's only fair that they both have to be kenneled since Marlo has to be kenneled. But he's not used to being kenneled, and he did not like it one bit. So he, he did 
I got him to be quiet for about two hours, and he woke back up, started whining. Anyway, I was up all night with that, and so now I'm ready to kill him. But if that doesn't get you fired up about your new pet, which is... Well, I've just got to say this. You were a little testy this morning. Because I haven't slept. <laughs> I mean, it was it was attitude city from you this morning. Oh, and, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. I don't normally get that, but you were, ooh-wee. I'm telling you, man, it was, I do good on low sleep, but I don't do good on no sleep. Yeah. But, you know, give me three hours solid, I'm good. I'm the same same person, but man, I was yeah. I was I was pretty upset this morning. Well, but I feel good now, so I'm not going to rage on on our listeners while we're on here. Lucky for the two of you, the dogs got to sleep all day long while you both were at work. And oh yeah, they'll be ready to go this evening. Oh no, that was that was my favorite part when I got up. I'm barely trudging around the house. I mean, you know just barely making it look over and he's curled up sleeping great mm-hmm. oh yeah that's good for you man great yeah yeah well, what, what what did you get because you are not a pet person so i'm interested i have been a pet person my entire life and then when my last dog died and he was he was either an awesome dog or a tremendous pain in the you know what <laughs> but when he died, I said, you know, I was really busy with work and I was divorced at the time. And I was like, you know, it's not fair for me to get another dog to not be able to spend the time to train it. And, yeah. And, you know, it's not fair to the dog. It's not fair to me. So I'm just not going to get one. Well, I got used to not having a dog. And it's really nice to be able to, if I want to go have a drink after work, I go have a drink after work. I don't have to worry about yeah. that. You know, yeah, I don't worry you, you want to leave it for the, for the weekend, weekend, you can just yeah. go. Yeah, that's yeah. a nice thing. Yeah. So when we became, when we, Tammy and I, became empty nesters and Chris went off to college, which was about a year after my dog died, then I, I was set free. We were true empty nesters and that was cool. So <laughs> I've just been going and going and going. So I did not get a dog. That's the giveaway. Uh, what I did get is a circus freak. I a got circus freak. A circus freak. I got the bearded lady. Ah. Uh, yeah. All's coming to me now. She does not eat. She does not speak. <laughs> she does not bark. She does not pee. She does not crap. She stands there very quietly very still and if you are a male wild turkey gobbler she <laughs> is beautiful uh, yeah, and, and open for business <laughs> open for business but she is the bearded lady so she is that i you guys listening to the show cameron's already seen pictures i bought a fluffer decoy it actually was a, or it is, a mounted bearded hen turkey. And I bought it at an auction. And I had a little bit of work to do to take it apart, to take the turkey off of the base that she was mounted onto. And it's done. 
Got her off the base. She's got two wires that are about, oh, probably 10 inches long coming off of the bottom of her feet. And those jokers go straight in the ground just perfectly. And <laughs> she is a sight to behold. You better hope Jeff Buds doesn't come slipping up on that thing because he's after a bearded hen grand slam right now. Well, she's in my garage. If I hear a gunshot in the garage... <laughs> We've got bigger issues than somebody shooting a bearded hen. Yeah, well, so it's pretty nuts looking. I'll give you that. I mean, it, it, you can't get any more realistic of a decoy than that. You can't get any more <laughs> realistic of a decoy. You're right about that. <laughs> so I, I'm pretty, uh, you know, I'm I'm, in, I'm curious to know how it's going to pan out. But I've seen several videos of people who use fluffers. I've talked to several people who use them as well. And they say there's just nothing like it, you know, that they just, they'll draw a gobbler's eyes to them every time. And, you know, I think it's got to do something to do when, of feathers. course, we're all just guessing. Yes, the feathers and, and the iridescence in those feathers and how yeah. it stands out in the woods. So Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a accurate thing because ducks that's definitely a thing i think all birds their their feathers are iridescent for a reason you know yeah <laughs> they, they don't just right. do that for fun <laughs> that's exactly right so i'll let you guys know this spring how that pans out and we'll see how it goes yeah you're gonna just have like a orange sack or something to carry it around in or are you just gonna put it under your arm how, how you plan to tote it she'll actually fit in the back of my vest oh that's nice yeah she'll fit in the game bag of my vest hard. And... i keep i keep thinking of a, a gobbler sized turkey and a hen is significantly smaller so oh, yeah. a mounted hen would be significantly smaller yeah she weighs i haven't weighed her but she's probably three to four pounds and yeah. she is smaller and it's not a decoy. I mean, I don't take a decoy with me everywhere I go on every hunt anyway. But yeah. those midday hunts where I know, hey, I'm going to go sit on a food plot and take a nap. Yeah. That's perfect. That's that's when she gets to come out. Her name will be called on those days and go. those hunts. So, there you go. You know, for... I'm not. I'm not going to say I paid a little bit of money for. Her. I paid more than I would have paid for a hen, say DSD decoy, you know, or something like that. But again, hard to get more realistic than the real thing. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how it goes. How yeah. long do we have until you might be able to use her? It appears to be that we are 128 days, 11 hours. 37 minutes and 41 seconds. I'm going to throw you a curveball and tell everybody that we are 91 days, 15 hours, 41 minutes, and 40 seconds from Andy and myself whacking a winter gobbler mm -hmm. in Utah. <laughs> uh huh. That has so, been added to the countdown. <laughs> we have hinted around and hinted around and hinted around. At we ain't hitting anymore. The fact that you and I were going to go and do this, and it's all in the books. We've got oh, it's booked. We've got yep. a place to stay. We've got obviously the dates booked. So we're 
we're going. It's just a matter of whether we can find and kill a gobbler. Four, and I think if six. we find and kill one, we'll probably kill multiple. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think it's going to be a, a feast or famine deal. <laughs> well, you and I are going to have to have a talk about that because, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead, but if that opportunity to pull the trigger on more than one bird each presents itself, we're going to have to have a, a discussion. So, you know, the reason I'm even bringing it up right now is because of our topic for this show. And yeah, yeah. It's it. a great segue into what we're going to be talking about. And you guys listening to this, you are all going to know the guest for today's show when I tell you his name. But as far as I would say, he's probably the late winter turkey hunting expert. I'd say so. He's the only person I ever really hear about that does it. Maybe yeah. everybody else just wants to keep it to themselves. <laughs> that could very well be. Could very well be. But today we do have Rob Keck on the show. And Rob is the Director of Conservation at Bass Pro Shops. He is also Chairman of the Board of the Wonders of Wildlife. And he holds several other designations and honors and winners of different awards within the hunting industry. He is just a heck of a nice guy. As you guys know, he was the face and the voice for the NWTF for years and years and years with them. Although he loves to hunt all critters, his true passion is hunting turkeys. And I'm not real sure if he's killed turkeys in more places than anyone else but i do know that he's completed his super slam he's also killed a turkey in new zealand he's killed several turkeys in canada i cannot remember if he's killed the canadian slam or not i know he's killed oscillated i know he's killed goulds so he's killed a turkey he's killed two. a few turkeys yeah. <laughs> yeah. and he's killed a few in late winter as well and so this might be a little bit of a selfish episode for me and Cameron but it's talking turkeys and not just talking turkeys but I mean this is like sure enough real all-out full-on challenging turkeys challenging gobblers and so some good stuff yeah. in this interview what'd you think about yeah. it? yeah and well, sadly, I wasn't able to be a part of the interview, but I have listened to it. My other work obligations got in the way of me being to be able to part of the phone call. But I'm fired up. Like I'm looking forward to February now just as much as I am spring. So <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way, man. I, I just, you know, I got off the phone with him yesterday and I was jacked up. I was ready to go. Yeah. Well, you love, I mean, and I, I like challenging gobblers too, but like with you, you love to fan them and challenge them that way. So this ought to be, you know, right up your alley. It is. Yeah. I've so, always loved and, a good fight. And I mean, it's going to be on steroids if it happens. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah as, as you, you want to go ahead and hop in? I don't want to reveal too much because this is a great episode 
it's a long one so we got we got a lot of content here from rob but it if is you're ever interested in yeah winter turkey hunting this is the one for you yeah no doubt let let's do jump into it and you guys listen in i think you're really going to enjoy the topic you're going to enjoy the stories as well and uh, i can't wait to throw this interview out there for you guys so listen in closely and cameron and i'll see you on the other side see you on the other side I love it. You got my attention right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> How are you today, sir? I'm fine. Frog here split four ways. I like it. I'm glad to hear that. So, are you guys getting some rain from Etta or? <laughs> yeah, Etta? we're getting rain. We've had heat and humidity for the last five days, and it has just literally shut down deer movement during the day. Yeah. I can't even get a daylight picture on a camera right now, but uh, as soon as this stuff moves out, it'll change. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, It's been pretty humid and warm here in Birmingham as well for several sure. weeks. So, yeah. Yep. The uh, beginning of last week was awesome. I mean, that cold weather we had, deer movement was really good. Yeah. Well, you know, this I would normally do an intro. Well, let's just run with this thing. So, <laughs> because I'm going to ask you how your deer hunt in Kansas went, and I know you've been on one fall turkey hunt so far. Is that right? No, you went on an elk hunt and a deer hunt. Is that right? No, I'm on a mule deer hunt. Okay, okay. How did that go for you? Great. Killed a dandy. I killed a 190 and some change, and uh, wow. just really really pretty pretty buck and what was really cool was the the actual hunt it took four and a half hours from the time we spotted him with two other bucks laid down and we had about a mile to go but in that open country in eastern colorado which is just sagebrush and and uh cactus you got to use the lay of the land and you got to use i mean play the wind just right and i use an onyx app just to try to you know look and see uh in these literally sand dunes to get around so you don't get spotted mm-hmm. so it was really a, a challenging hunt and uh, really satisfying i killed him on muzzleloader at 157 yards wow that's awesome that is awesome i'm glad to hear that so you were when i uh, i talked to you gosh i guess it's been a month maybe even longer ago about coming on the show initially and then i got tied up doing a bunch of stuff with work but you were talking about going to Kansas on a deer hunt, a whitetail hunt, if I'm not mistaken. Did that get those plans get changed on you? No, not at all. I love Kansas, and uh, I've hunted five different units out there. I've seen booners in all of them. But it's like any place you go. A lot of it depends on the property and how it's managed. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've been very fortunate. I've got a good friend that uh, has a wonderful piece of property and manage it, manages it in and uh, anyway, had a couple bucks on our hit list, one in particular that uh, we've been watching since July, and he was steady sending me trail cam pictures, and then there were a number of times he actually went and got in the stand and, and shot photographs, and we watched this buck just uh, continue to, to blow up, yeah. and uh, ended up uh, going during the early muzzleloader season. That's the season I always apply for, and people ask me, why do you want to go that early? It's like, a lot of times it's hot. Right. Well, I can tell you why. If you're 
wanting to kill a booner, it is the most reliable time to do it. They've just come out of velvet. They're in bachelor groups, and they're very predictable. And uh, once you find one of those giants, one of those that uh, is at the top of your hit list, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's a lot easier than during the rut. You know, the rut is a crapshoot. And right. uh, anyway, we've watched this buck in this one particular area, and he kept showing up, kept showing up. Anyway, right first of September, he disappeared, as so often is the case. And so were the bachelors that were with him. And uh, we started moving cameras around in some different areas and finally picked him up again about a mile from there. Uh, just literally moved up the creek from where we had originally been watching him. Mm-hmm. And so went in there. I think it opened. It was on Monday, September. I don't know. I'll get it wrong. 12th, 13th, 14th, something like that. And anyway, the first morning we went and we saw a few bucks, but not not what we were looking for. They were mostly just year and a half, two and a half year old bucks. And that evening, man, it was just a different story. Something something had them moving real well. And anyways, probably. 20 minutes before shooting light was gone, we saw two of the bucks that he traveled with. They came in past us. It was in a winter wheat field. We watched and watched them. I thought, man, the big guy's got to be somewhere close by. And then about 10 minutes out, you know, with shooting light left, man, he shows up. And he was so much more impressive looking at him in person than on cameras. You know, a lot of times trail cameras can give you sort of a a false look. They can give you, they can make him look a lot bigger or a lot of times, depending on angles and distance, you know, can make him look smaller. Mm-hmm. And my buddy that had been watching him firsthand, he hadn't seen him in quite a while. And we both, because we were sitting together, he he doesn't muzzleloader hunt. And so we got to share that together. And I mean, the thrill of watching this giant, an absolute monarch, come down the edge of that winter wheat field he uh caught up with his two buddies that had been running with and they actually they didn't lock antlers but you know laid their ears back and you could just see that things were starting to you know get ready on the front end of of you know what will Mm -hmm. eventually be the rut but just showing some dominance they backed off and he continued right on down the field to uh, literally 40 yards from the stand. I wanted to shoot him even a little further out, but I just couldn't get the right angle. And then all of a sudden, at 40 yards, man, he went to alert. And I think it was a coyote up on the hill. And I thought he was going to bolt. I knew my muzzle real well. And I just literally laid it right on his neck. He's looking straight at me at, at that time. And, of course, I'd shot that muzzleloader a bunch. I knew it well. And I just dropped him right there on the spot. And, you know, it's it's one of those things you think you're going to fall out of the stand when you yeah. have that kind of experience. And then, you know, you just can't wait to put your hands on it. There was no need to wait 30 minutes. I mean, sure. I could see him. He was laying dead there in, the, in that wheat field. And we went down, and we just stood in awe of the mass on this deer. And... Ended up when we measured him that night, had seven-inch bases, and he carried that mass wow. way right out to the very end. Ended up scoring 208 and seven-eighths. Wow. And just what a, what, a, what a tremendous buck. And I just felt so fortunate because this was my second Kansas buck that 
scored over 200. You know, just to see one is, is something that most people don't ever get to see, experience. And then to actually take one, I said, you know, this is my buck of a lifetime. This was back in 2005. And then to take this one, I said, my gosh, <laughs> I've got a, a second one in this lifetime. I can't hardly believe it. Yeah. And it just was, uh, once again, a thrill, not only to take the butt, big buck, but uh, you think about all the planning, the preparation, and then to share it with a good friend, you know, when he was there to, you know, to congratulate. We hugged each other, and, of course, we spent I'll bet two hours just shooting pictures and, you know, just drinking in. It's it's the kind of thing that, you know, once you make that, and it's that way with turkey hunting, too, i found that, you know, once you eventually make that kill, you don't want time to move on. You want to just capture that in the moment. Yeah. And we just sat there and admired him. I mean, we finally got dark on us, and we just started a headlamp, so I still just sat there and just thinking, oh, my God, what a deer, and what a privilege. I mean, I just thank the good Lord for... You know, having had that opportunity, uh, and then to, you know, to, to actually take a buck like that, I mean, it's just beyond, you know, your wildest dreams. Yeah, that's very nice. Congratulations on that. That's a thank you. That's a, a heck of a trophy, as I and all the listeners and you know. And so it's like you said, you know, just to kill one that's over two hundred inches, you anyone would say is a buck of a lifetime, and then. Here you come 15, later, 15 years later doing, getting the opportunity to kill another one and getting it done. That's very, very impressive. So that's yeah, awesome. Really, I'm excited for it you. Just, you know, and, and i got to give all the thanks to, to my friend, the landowner. I mean, his management scheme has worked out extremely well. And it's like so many of us that, you know, get an invitation to go hunt on somebody's private land. And, you know, this isn't a high fence. It's, you know, free range. And mm-hmm. he spends a lot of money as a as a feeding program and, you know, does everything he can to, to manage the herd. And, you know, it is just well, it's something that's hard to describe and, and being able to appreciate him. I told him, I said, thank you can hardly begin to show my appreciation for the privilege of being there to do something like that, to, to take a buck of a lifetime. And, and I've taken some other real dandies. I mean, I've taken, I guess now there's five over 180, uh, which are yeah. just off the charts as well. But I've had tremendous luck, great luck in Kansas. But most all of that has happened in that early muzzleloader season. So, you know, a lot of guys, they, they ask me, they said, man, they come and they look at, you know, the bucks I've got mounted here. I said, give me the secret. I said, well, first thing you got to do is go where they are. Exactly. And, and I said, then secondly... You've got to put a plan together, and you know, and and for me, that plan is to go early in the season before the rut kicks in. And so you got to apply. You got to be drawn in Kansas. Uh, fortunately, that unit I've I've always been able to draw, and it's one then that you just got to put your time in and, and scout and hope it all comes together. And there's some times that you know I choose not to shoot, and I may end up with a tag sandwich. And you know, somebody asked me that question the other day. You know, how are you killing a 180 or a 200? I said, well, I know this is going to be hard to swallow, but you got to pass up the 160s, which are just absolute tremendous deer. Exactly. But when you look at that upper class, you got to just say, you know, here's where my limitations are. And in no way would I ever downcast uh, one. I mean, there's been a couple of years when 
I shot some bucks that didn't score over 170, but they were really unique. I'm, I'm looking at one right now on the wall. He's got a 26-inch spread, but he's got brow tines that are a foot long wow. and just a gnarly-looking old thing. And he was so unique, and I just said, I want to kill that deer. And I think that's what everybody has to do is, you know, what is your level of satisfaction? You know, with with me and having five grandkids that are between the ages of six and ten, and they all love to hunt. You know, two weeks ago, uh, I had my grandson, Hank, who was ten, and his brother, Coleman, who was seven. We were in a pop-up blind, and, you know, it was getting late, and Hank wanted to kill a buck. He had never killed one with a muzzleloader. And anyway, I get on the grunt call, and, man, just the last little bit of shooting light, here comes this three-point in. And I can tell you what, I was so thrilled. I mean, I was just as thrilled as killing that that 200-inch deer in Kansas. And to share with those grandkids, I mean, to me, you've got to look at the trophy experience as well. And I think that so many times we, we don't emphasize that enough. I mean, there's no doubt that with quality deer management uh, being practiced across this country, I mean, we're killing better bucks than in this country than we ever have. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that many times, though, we can maybe distort uh, the real fun of the hunt, especially for young hunters or new hunters, uh, by focusing too much on the size of the animal instead of the size of the experience. And that's where we've got to... We've got to, if we're going to preserve this hunting heritage, we've got to look at it that way. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. And, you know, I think social media has really given people an opportunity to put such a, a negative spin on that very thing that you're talking about and, and gives people that opportunity to knock someone's trophy. And, you know, what is a trophy to someone who hunts in whitetail country in Iowa or Kansas or Illinois or Indiana or any any Midwestern state is not the same trophy for someone who hunts in South, South Alabama, South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, you, Florida. I mean, you, yeah. you. there's so many places. And so we, we have to keep that in mind. And it's not our place to jump on to someone on social media and, and be critical of, of what they're excited about. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm looking at a buck right now here in the wall that I mounted uh, took some years ago uh, here in South Carolina, and he only scores 138. But let me tell you, he was seven and a half years old, wow. and I had hunted that deer. He was so unique, the palmations. And, uh, you know, it's it, it's it, I've got him there with all of my other giants because it was a really a challenging hunt to try to hunt this deer down. And, you know, when you start taking deer that are five and a half, six and a half, in this case, seven and a half, you know, to me, I mean, it's like he, he's every bit, if not more, worthy to, to be with all the other big bucks that I've got here uh, because he lived that long. He eluded me all that time. And, and uh, so, you know, here in South Carolina, we don't put many Boone and Crockett bucks in the in the record book. We've got a long season, liberal bag limit. I focus really on either filling the freezer with those, which I do, mm-hmm. and then just, you know, trying to hunt some of these older age class bucks. And, uh, I th- again, I think it's, you know, what is your level of satisfaction? You know, what makes you happy? And I think that's what you've got to have at the, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. So, well, that that's awesome. And, you know, I, I told you when we started this that we weren't going to do an intro. We were going to jump into it. But I need to explain to you and everyone listening that my co-host Cameron, all of a sudden yesterday, got an appointment today at 4 o'clock Central while we're doing our interview. So he's not going to be able to join us. Oh, no. He may be able to jump on a little bit later, but I'm thinking not. Okay. So with today being a holiday and happy Veterans Day to all of our veterans out there, and thank you for you your bet. service. Um, but with today being Veterans Day and him being off work, I thought, well, this is a great opportunity for him to be able to jump on middle of the day and or towards the end of the day and, and join us. But you and I can take this and run with it uh, without him, and I know he'll be upset that he missed it, but... <laughs> That's his, that's his loss. He can listen to it. How about that? Yep, for sure. Well, you know, I just uh, I want to salute all of our veterans out there. And, uh, you know, I think that as a text that I just got, I saluted my second cousin. He was in the Chosen Company, did three tours in Afghanistan. And, you know, at his company, there were two Medal of Honor recipients. So you can just imagine uh, he was in some pretty tough fights. And... You know, he said that hunting helped him transition from military life to civilian life. And, uh, you know, when he came back, I made sure that uh, his mind was occupied with hunting. And uh, through Safari Club International, we were able to send he and his wife on a hunt to South Africa. Got him lined up with another hunt down in Florida, sportsman for military families, and Danny St. Angelo, who runs that. He got to gator hunt with his wife and two young sons and uh, get to kill some hogs. And he told me, he said, that uh, it has helped him transition in a big way. So all those listeners out there, you know, if you have the chance, take a veteran. Take somebody that has given of their time and their life uh, for this country, for our freedom. And uh, believe me, it'll be a lot more than just them taking a deer or uh, a turkey or whatever it happens to be, it's it's going to be life-changing for many of them. And so, you know, I just, every opportunity when I can do it, I want to make sure that uh, I'm giving back at least a little bit. And uh, with all those listeners out there, I know that you all have friends that uh, have served as well. And it doesn't matter whether, you know, it's most recently or some that were back in the Korean or even a few of our World War II veterans that are still with us, mm-hmm. take them out, show them the fun, and help them to adjust and, and to enjoy life even better. Very well said. Very well said. Well, you know, you, I'm, I'm going to tell this story again. I met you five years ago at ATA, and right. I saw you coming across the, the entrance of the convention hall there, and I said, there's Rob Keck. I got to talk to him. And so I flagged you down. You came over and I said, man, I would love to have you on the show. And I'll send over a few topics to you for a show. And I'll let you pick one out and let's do an interview. And you said, that'd be great. That'd be great. I'd love to do an interview with you. But I already know what I want to talk about. And I said, okay, well, if Rob Keck knows what he's want, what he wants to talk about, that's what we're going to talk about. What is it? And you said, late winter turkey hunting. And I thought, okay. I know nothing about that. That'd be a great topic. And so to listen to you tell the story of your hunt in Kansas and you're hunting white-tailed deer at a time, I'm not going to say when, when not many other people are hunting them, but it's just not what we have in our minds as 
the prime time to be hunting really big bucks, you are out there in early muzzleloader season and you're hunting and, you know, you you have your reasons for that and it pays off. And your reason is, you know, there's they're unpressured. They're still running in, in bachelor groups and they're much more predictable or patternable. And so when you mentioned that to me about late winter turkey hunting, of course, you know, I had you on the show. We talked about that topic and I thought, I mean, you, you had me, I mean, like fired up and ready to book a trip to go to some walk-in areas in Kansas at the time because they still had a, a winter turkey season at that time right. and I never did it. And so Cameron has just gotten, he's recently gotten into fall turkey hunting and, and, you know, has traveled a little bit to do it. And so he's, he just kind of put the screws to me this year. And he's like, look, you've been talking about doing this late winter hunt and I'm going this year. You're, you can go with me if you want to, but I'm going. And so we've put together a trip. We've booked our airfare. We've got our place to stay. We found some public ground to go and hunt, but he and I are going to Utah and are going to do a late winter hunt. It's going to be middle of February. And I am stoked about it. And so I've got 1,044 questions for you, but I know we don't have that much time today because we've got to get you on the road to go to church. Yep. So I do want to pick your brain about it. So tell me and all of the listeners, in case they haven't heard that episode with you, what is it about late winter turkey hunting that really just gets you going, that gets your blood boiling? more turkeys than you do in the spring you're going to hear more turkeys than you do in the spring and you're going to see gobblers fighting you're going to hear them gobble and it is just an absolute free-for-all when those gobblers actually come to your call come to the decoys it is spring turkey hunting on steroids and people look at me like i'm nuts because when they think of fall hunting or winter hunting they're still thinking about scattering a flock of birds, you know, sitting at the break point, and then using lost calls to call them back. This is not that at all. So just put that out of your mind. My favorite time to go when, you know, Kansas just changed this past year. I mean, they were open till January 31st, and I'd been doing it for many, many years. And, you know, when you see some of those groups of gobblers that we had when those numbers were really, really high, and they've you know, they've had some poor hatches here in a row, and that's why they have cut the season back the way they did. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't too long ago that you go to the 31st of January, the four-bird limit, and you might see 50 or 100 longbeards together. Well, let me tell you something. All right. That is all that we have for you guys for the free portion of this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. I just can't imagine not wanting to hear the rest of this because it, <laughs> it gets not, hey, not that the first half wasn't good. The second half of this show is like epic. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. So the, the stories coming out of this man's mouth are on another level. Yes, no doubt. He is a storyteller. I'm, I'm going to just say that. I mean, anyway, you're, trust me. This one episode alone is worth the 18 bucks that you would spend for the premium content for a subscription to the premium content of the Turkey Hunter podcast. 
but you're not going to get just the rest of this episode for your 18 bucks. You're going to get all of the premium content for all of our past episodes with amazing guests like Preston Pittman, Eddie Salter, the, the Cus Strickland. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on of who's who of turkey hunting. But you're also going to get the premium content for the next 52 weeks. All of that for 18 bucks. And the way you're going to do that is you're going to text the word turkey hunter. Make it one word, no spaces, and text it to the number 44222. After you do that, I'm going to send you a set of instructions that you'll need to follow. And eventually I'm going to send you a link that you can click on where you can create your username and password for the Podbean application and pay that measly 18 bucks to hear the rest of this week's episode now. Mm-hmm. Well, look, if you don't want to pony up the 18 bucks and you just want to hear the rest of the stories about winter turkey hunting, which are insane, or you just want to give us a trial run, see, hey, what, what am I missing in the second half here? Do I really want to do the 18 bucks? You can pay us a dollar and get the rest of this week's episode. The way you do that is go online. You can go to the turkeyhunterpodcast.com or iamturkeyhunting.com. Find this episode followed by the letters PS. That stands for premium single. Go to that. It'll let you buy it for 99 cents. You'll get all of this episode from beginning to end. And you can do that for not just this one, but any of our past episodes that you want to just hear that one. So... Do that if you do not want to subscribe for a full year. You could buy 17 episodes and save yourself a dollar. <laughs> but hey, the math adds but up. I would That's suggest true. just doing the doing doing the subscription because you're going to get a whole lot more. But that, there's two options for you if you want to join us for the remainder of this episode. I'm going downstairs to pack my gun right now. <laughs> I'll meet you in Nebraska. <laughs> Let's meet in Nebraska, and then you and I can walk to Utah from there. We have a month to do it. Yeah, we'll just hunt our way over there through Kansas and just walk on over through Colorado and keep shooting. Yeah. I'm in. It's going to be exciting. I I hope that we have half the experience on this trip that he has had on some of his. Oh, my gosh. I'm telling you, if, if a fraction of what he said's happened to him can just happen to us, we're, we're in for a good time. Yeah. And, you know, that was very educational, too, because, I mean, he's putting out a whole spread of decoys, which I probably wouldn't have thought about without hearing that from him, but that definitely seems like a good game plan. Yeah. It's interesting to me that he's putting out these decoys and the turkeys that are coming in are really concentrating their focus on that Jake. Yeah, they're like, hey, well, you know, these are all fanned out. That one looks weak. Let's whoop him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully we can have some good experiences on this trip and get some really, really cool audio for you guys. If we do, just know when Cameron and I come back from our trip to the Antarctic turkey hunting that... <laughs> We'll be glad to let you know where exactly it was that we found turkeys and where you could find them, likely if you were to go to the Antarctic to find them. Yes, yes. The pictures will reveal that we were in Antarctica. Yes. Yeah. 
So, no, seriously. I've talked to one other listener to the show who has been. So I know you. I know Rob Keck. And I know one other listener to the show that's been on a late winter turkey hunt. You told me yours ended up more like a late winter upland quail hunt. Yeah. Upland game bird hunt. So I wouldn't really call that a late winter turkey hunt. But the other fellow that I talked to said, and he went to Kansas, and he said it was insane. (laughs) Well, I'm so jacked up. I'm probably going to try to slip to Nebraska in January now, but we'll see if that works out. I know we're going to Utah. We're definitely going to Utah. Fired up. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's do it right now. You got the favor of the week this week, I believe. The favor of the week this week is actually pretty easy. It's going to be right along the same lines as what we've talked about for our favor of the week for the past couple of weeks. And that is to go on Facebook and find Rob Keck on Facebook and shoot him a little note and just say, hey man, just listen to you on this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. Really enjoyed that. Thank you a lot for your time and sharing of your knowledge. If we don't let these guys who come on the show know that we appreciate them coming on the show, it's going to be harder to get them on. And so you you guys heard Rob at the end. He enjoys this. I mean, he's, he was the face of the National Wild Turkey Federation for years and years, like I've already said, but deep down inside, he's just a hunter. And just like us, he's a turkey hunter and he loves to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So let him know you heard him on the show, that you appreciate him sharing his time and knowledge with us and that you'd love to hear him on the show again sometime and we'll get him on here. Absolutely. Sounds good to me. So you ready to wrap this thing up for a week? Let's wrap it on up. Okay. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.